before we begin the show. Another edition of Awards Radar, Masterpiece Commercial Theater, the sixth podcast sense. I hear podcast people. In your dreams? While you're awake? Podcast people, like, in your, in your headphones? Oh, walking around like normal podcast people. They don't see each other. They only hear what they want to hear. They don't even know they're on a podcast. How often do you hear them? All the time. Well, at least once a week. Coming this Thursday from the creative team behind Sugar and Spicy, the Awards Radar Podcast. Find it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and in the dead zone. Yippee ki yay, I'm Bruce Willis. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Awards Radar Podcast. As always, I'm Joey, and uh, we've got our biggest uh, round, square, some sort of table here today. Um, someone will throw over the table very dramatically, I'm sure. Uh, as always, Miles is here. Say hi, Miles. Hi, Miles. Very good. Uh, Steve is back, as always. Hello, hello. Ryan has asked to be back. I'm here, aren't I? I regret it already. And also asking to be back, inexplicably, Keith Lucas. Hi, I'm here. I'm back. I feel like a regular now. I know. <laughs> you're you're surprised. Yeah, He's on here just as much as I am. There are things <laughs> we're not involving you in today that you are glad we're not involving you in. Trust me. All we, all we need is to involve you in some of these things, and then you get your phone calls from, you know, the Judd Apatow's of the world going. So we're going in a different direction now. <laughs> we're, we're concerned. It's now going to be a series. <laughs> uh, so what is well, Kevin Spicy? Yeah, more we'll, that we'll get to Kevin Spicy, don't you worry. <laughs> yes. In the meantime, we're we're obviously talking about Keith's movie, She Just the Black Messiah, which some of us have seen. Um, mm-hmm. Me. And I believe Ryan also, right? Yes, I have seen Judas and the Black Messiah. Right. Awesome. Also... Also, Keith has seen it several times, I'm sure. I've seen it. I've seen it a bunch. I mean, that would, that would be problematic if you hadn't, right? <laughs> I mean, that would like, be a real good You know, question. I'm just going to write this thing. Y'all go make it. I'll see it in about 10 years. See if it ages up. <laughs> how no, was like my that. movie? Tell me. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, how'd it go? Puppets? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it was between Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Oscar the Grouch. For, uh, <laughs> came right down to that last audition. I would love to see that audition. Yeah. Is there any truth to the rumors that it was contract negotiations that uh, kept the grouch from being in the film? It's all true. Yeah, it's it was, all true. It was all about the can. <laughs> they were like, no, we can't have the can in here. And they were like, mm. and that's a deal breaker, Oscar. baby. You know what I mean? It's Hollywood. You got to budge a little bit. A union Oscar, issue. And Oscar's reps were like, can get you in the can. We're really trying to push it. Um, but in all seriousness, it is a, it is a very good film. I uh, yes, uh, Keith and I have talked a little bit about it off air, but I um, interestingly someone asked a question about it in relation to the script, which is kind of where you're 
specialty will reside. But um, I'll reframe it just a little bit because you did talk about it a little bit last time about you know the evolution of it and eventually other people you know coming on and helping it get to the uh, the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, does it ever require explanation? When people see the, oh, four people credited on the screenplay, does that mean there was, uh, you know, this many drafts and, and at some point a disagreement? You know, the, the connotation is the more people involved, sometimes the more behind the scenes turmoil there is. And it doesn't sound like there was any of that. So if you want, you can also no. just remind people like, here, I did this. And then, you know, at this point. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't much there wasn't much turmoil. Um Actually, it was kind of seamless. So, you know, we we had the idea of writing this movie about William O'Neill, but also, you know, Fred Hampton biopic. We wanted to synthesize the two stories. And, uh, you know, we, we began, you know, working on the, the William O'Neill part, essentially, just like, you know, how he, he infiltrated the Black Panthers. And, and we did a bunch of research in that regard. And we wrote out the outline and we had had it all figured out. And then... You know, we, we linked up with Shaka and he further helped us develop the, uh, the, the the part we were developing. But so Will, the other writer, he had already written a script on Fred, the Fred Hampton story, essentially. And so we just synthesized the two, uh, restructuring his script with our story. And that's how it's that's why it's for four people. But it, it wasn't there wasn't any turmoil. I mean, obviously, exactly. you have your battles with you know, the studio and a production company and you get notes on top of notes. But other than, you know, that battle, it wasn't, it wasn't any conflict between the writers. Exactly. Cause normally, you know, you assume of like, Oh, and versus the and sign, all the like things that are not actually important to anyone except the people who are credited on the work, you know, people were right. sort of trained to look for all that nonsense. But yeah, when, like you had started to say last time that, you know, there were other, you know, you guys had a script, and then, like you said, Will had a script, and it was just we're essentially picking the best of all that to tell the best version of the story we can, and that's that's a you know really positive way of doing it, as opposed to the you know I need to figure out a way to get fifty one percent of my script in here. So right, right, right. Yeah, sure it, was, we don't... It, it never got that contentious. It was yeah, it was uh, it was crazy how seamless it was. It just it all start, it all sort of made sense, you know, like. We definitely needed more. Uh, we needed to flesh out the the Fred and Deborah parts, and yeah. you know, in his story, we need, he needed to flesh out the Will No parts. So, like combining everything was was the the perfect thing to do. Yeah. Um, how how much? Well, obviously, you know, being there sort of from day one of its inception, then on to it filming. When you guys started to figure out who was going to be in the film, did you have ideas besides? Obviously, Daniel and Keith, like we, you and I have talked about how good they are and how good they've been for a while, but I'm sure right. they weren't the only people who were up for the role. Like, did you, when you were, especially when you were writing Will, you know, did mm-hmm. you have a face in the back of your mind? Lakeith was always the, the, the goal um, from the jump. So when we, when we had that meeting with Shaka many moons ago, I think it was September 2016, we invited him to our spot and we just started like, breaking down how we want how we saw the movie and Lakeith was the first name literally to, to pop up as William O'Neill. Uh, for the other characters, I mean Kaluuya too was one of the first names we heard for Fred, but for the other characters it was still a bit nebulous and vague. I mean I, I think Shaka had Deb I mean he had a Dominique in mind for um 
for for uh, for Deb. So mm. you know they, and then for for um, Roy Mitchell, that was a little. There was we didn't we weren't sure who you know. Obviously Matt Damon was sort of in our heads too, but but we also wanted you know we also thought about Jesse as well, just someone who could play evil, but in a you know you know in a nice way. Yeah, and I and I do swear, and I'll let I'll let Ryan ask a question next. I joked with you about this. I do swear that you guys wanted to cast Robert Duvall as uh, as Jagger because <laughs> Martin Sheen. Oh my God, I thought that was him when I saw the trailer. I yeah, they didn't have to do any makeup or anything. He just like show up. <laughs> what was weird is he showed up in his outfit for the judge, right? You know, for auditions, right? Keith? And a thousand percent. Yeah, this is not a critique on his performance because Martin Sheen is a no. He's really good in the in film. Movie. Yeah, it it does look like Robert Duvall and the judge stumbled into the FBI headquarters, which honestly is kind of a, a plus because you know Martin Sheen sounds like President Bartlett. President Bartlett's a good dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know Hoover's you know you're the broadest character in the film because you you there really you know unfortunately isn't another shade to him. Otherwise, you get right, right, right. and you're like, "Are you like lionizing a bad dude?" Like, yeah, it's, it's hard movie. to. It's, it was it was hard to make who like make Hoover a, a nuanced character. He's so you read all this, uh, you get all this research about him. You're like, oh, he was a cartoon villain in real life. So it was very tough to make him nuance. Yeah, you get a studio note. Can you make him less on the nose? Like, <laughs> That's he is on the nose. Like I, I can show you the notes. Like. Like Jesse Plemons is doing the nuanced heavy lifting. You know? Right, right, right. So he's our he's he's our nuanced villain. You know, we we didn't want to make him a cartoon, so uh, it was it was it was a lot easier to keep Hoover, you know, a bit of a cartoon while yeah. Jesse was and, a, our nuanced villain. And you do have that scene where where he kind of is prodding, you know, you have Martin Sheen prodding Plemons to to be a little worse. Right. And he right. pushes back against as much as he can against you know the director of the FBI. It's not a fair fight. Right. But that is your, your moment to go, okay, he, everyone involved in this story, you know, from Hoover on down to William is, you know, in something bigger than themselves. And, and Hoover is right, right. perpetuating it because he wants to. But almost everyone else is is kind of in a machine where, you know, ideally this would not go the way I want of it. No, no one except Hoover you know, and some of his underlings who are not, you know, major characters here. Right, right. Are, are you know, in favor of, let's just straight up assassinate this dude. That sounds like a great idea. Right. You know, like Hoover, Hoover initiated the COINTELPRO program. And he was the, he was the spearhead. He, I mean, you know, he had a lot of power, like tons of power. So he's sort of moving the chess pieces. And I think when, you know, uh, Mitchell and, and Hoover have that conversation, you see, oh, okay, there's layers to manipulation, right? Like, and at the very top was Hoover. I mean, he was just, he was ungodly powerful during that time. I mean, I don't think people recognize like how he was more powerful than presidents. I mean, he was, if not, he was probably the most powerful person in the sixties, to be honest. The irony of you in September of 2016, going over the script, going, we're gonna get it made in like the next six months. We're gonna go show it to President Clinton. She's gonna be new in office. And like, (laughs) this is gonna keep her on the straight and narrow. My my ethics changed a little bit. Right, right. Ryan, you wanna you wanna jump in from it? Yeah, I got a couple um, couple of questions for Keith. So so Keith, the the real centerpiece, I guess, of, of the film for myself and and for a lot of 
you know people because it's in the trailer as well is the is the scene in the in the church and uh, and so when in in writing that you know because it's it's such a big moment for daniel it's it's, mm-hmm. it's almost you know um it it it's it really is like just everything coming together for the whole film and it right. really is if it hadn't clicked for you by then it's definitely in that point um because tensions are arise because you see you know jesse in the crowd and you see lakeith look right at him and right. it's really just you know tensions are at an all-time high and it's really right at, at as you know when hoover's really sinking the teeth right back into him into front. right right so i wanted to kind of ask you about um were you on set on the day of the of that shoot what was the writing process for that and when you saw the final product was was that exactly what you wanted when you wrote that scene i was on set for that moment and uh i mean it was it was insane i mean because you know we're in a church it's packed uh Mm -hmm. is sort of like you see him on the side just sort of like getting his mind right for the scene and getting his mind right for the scene. And then he just goes and he delivers it the first time. And we're all just like in shock at at how, I don't know, just how mesmerizing it was. Just his delivery, the obviously the tension in the scene, but just like his commitment to delivering it in a way that was just so powerful. You can like almost feel Fred Hampton in the room. It felt like we all got transported back to, to 1968 and, and our 69 and he was you know delivering delivering that speech so it was it was powerful and and in terms of like the writing process of that i mean you know these were actual speeches from fred hampton you know i mean we 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 it was different at the end a little bit it was it was different yeah it was different speeches that came together that we we utilized and you can actually listen to uh, you can actually listen to on Spotify. You can listen to this version of it where you hear the drummers in the back and Fred Hampton's giving his speech. And, you know, so all of that was sort of uh, lifted from actual speeches from from Hampton. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of writing, you know, you know, you you're, you want to make sure you capture the the aura of Hampton. That's the most important thing. You know, obviously you have plot points that you have to get to. You have Jesse in the in the uh, audience because initially Jesse wasn't in the audience. Mm. Uh, uh, but I think it was Shaka who was like, I think we need to to to, to advance the tension. Uh, um, uh, you needs to be in the audience. So that sort of elevated that scene to the point where it was like, holy shit, like it's 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 not just Hampton delivering a fiery speech is actually moving the plot of the story, which was great. Um but yeah, just being there, man, was it was unlike because also Mother Cool was there, for Hampton Jr. was there, a bunch of Panthers were there, so it was it was uh it was one of those it, it was so surreal, so surreal. And this was crazy. On our way to Cleveland, uh, to because we were we were in New York at the time and we were flying. On our way to Cleveland, uh, we ran into fucking Rudy Rudy Giuliani. He was he was <laughs> he he was at the airport with us, and we were just like, "Oh, hi, boys!" <laughs> it was insane because we were, we were making this joke about the FBI and how shitty law was, and he was right there. And uh, we took a picture with him, but we we wrote this Instagram post where we just like mocked him. And uh, <laughs> right when we got on set, everyone was you know talking about the Instagram posts, and Keith came up to us and like, "This is the funniest thing you saw." And, then we shot that scene and it was just like just a surreal moment where you're like, I can't believe 
I'm, we're like we're filming this scene right now after seeing Rudy Giuliani. It's just like so so much happening right now that it's tough to sort of process. But yeah, it was a remarkable remarkable day. Did you kind of inviting shirt, him? Hopefully, the set. his shirt was tucked in. Right. <laughs> My shirt was tucked. <laughs> they they both were buttoning their pants, and Kenny was like, "Which one? I don't know." Um, did you did you did you contemplate inviting him to set just to see what the reaction would be like? Look, hey, we we Rudy, we, you know, we, we asked him we asked him to come we asked him to come, but he he turned us <laughs> turned us down. <laughs> did you tell? Oh, I can only imagine you're like, so we're making a movie about William O'Neill. He's like, oh, hero of the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about Hero O'Neill. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, American Patriot. You, you can frame this in a way. You get, you get some Fox News coverage. Speaking, speaking of, actually. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. Um, Rudy, there's like some sort of dye on the note you hand. Uh, what We hope it's hair dye. Uh, though, speaking of that whole area of the world have you gotten any like pushback yet or do you expect to and if so do you we certainly we, we we certainly expect to we haven't gotten yeah. anything yet i guess because it hasn't been like widely seen uh yeah. so for the most part it's only been people in the inside who probably hate trump so there hasn't yeah. been much uh blowback yet but i think you know i'm pretty confident you know it's going to be a, a movie that glorifies cop killing i'm sure that's going to be uh, one of the headlines, but you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, what we tried to do is capture capture the essence of that time. I mean, it was a war. It was a war between the cops and the Panthers. I mean, you know, the the, the Jake Winter scene. That's not that, that happened. You know what I mean? That was a that that happened. The the Jimmy Palmer scene happened. Fred Hampton was murdered in his house next to his pregnant girlfriend. That happened. So, you know, it was a war going on between the Panthers and the cops and as much as some people may try to frame it as propaganda for cop killing, I'm like, no, it was, it was a war. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's what happened. Yeah. You Is know, that, uh, that Fox News yeah. doesn't frame it that way. They don't cover the film. So, you know, that's it. I'm, ho- I'm hoping we get on Breitbart. Breitbart. That's Remember my, kids, that's my if goal. The, if they're on the, if they're on the Senate floor talking about like it, like John McCain did with Zero Dark Thirty, then you know you you, you got yourself a, a hit on your hands. Like, exactly, exactly. I don't, I don't like know. this movie. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he might, he might get, wow, he that's might the ghost of John McCain. Congratulations! <laughs> wow, wow. I'd be a little disappointed. I'd be like, wait, I thought, I thought you, I thought you got a little better in your old age. I guess not. Like, yeah, right, I mean, right. what happened? Where have you been? I would, honestly, I think my first question would be. Ghost of John McCain. How did this be the one movie that you wanted to see? <laughs> like, how did you also get on the screener list? That's what I was. Yeah, like, you know. yeah I didn't yeah. see it yet. Like, I, like Netflix, I believe somehow is sending to the afterlife. Like Harvey Weinstein definitely sent to the afterlife. But I don't know. I didn't think Warner had that list. Yeah. Um, well, he just heard us talking about it on the podcast, and he's like, "Oh, well, maybe this is something worth checking out." He is. A, he is a big fan. Yeah. By the way, Joe, keep in, keep thanks, in John, mind, there is a there. I just, one second, I have to make my stupid joke. Um, there yeah, is yeah. like <laughs> there is McCain brand potatoes, I think. So we can work this. Oh, out. really? Yeah, like like the. Like, <laughs> I, never, I never knew that. Yeah, not him. I don't think he was in. Oh, he's not involved in. Oh, just, I just imagine like it's like like you know like an ice like, sculptor like with yeah like it's an ice sculptor with potatoes and it's like of John McCain's face. That's what when mm. you say McCain potatoes, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> All right, um, uh, enough about John McCain. <laughs> um, Actually, 
Oh, before I just want to get back to the actual thing we were talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. You said you did have like notes, obviously. And oh yeah. I'm sure studio. There were things that they were less keen on being filmed. So were there were was there any pushback about you know sort of the the more most I guess what will be the most controversial scene of you know a cop being killed by by a panther. Uh, I mean, you know, we wanted to make sure the scene was as, I mean, as it's depicted, we wanted to make sure the scene was as nuanced as possible. So, yeah. you know, there was definitely like, there wasn't any like take it out of the script types of notes. It was more like, how do we, how do we make it as nuanced as possible? Uh, I mean, I think the one note that, that was really helpful was like make Deborah. Uh, a more um, a more nuanced character. I mean, I feel like that was the that was like the the big thing because you know when we first came up with the idea, it was, fo- it was p- focused primarily on William O'Neill and Fred. You know, that was the it was a two hander. But uh, you know, once the production companies got involved, they were like, you know, we we need to have a female voice, and Deb is the perfect person to sort of serve as the. The, the emotional core for the story. And uh, she, I mean, when, we, when she first, well, once her character started to become more developed, I was like, oh yeah, she's the heart and soul. People are gonna mm-hmm. be like, oh, when they when they finish the movie, she's gonna be one of the characters that they think about the most. So big ups to the production companies for, for, for pushing the script that way. They kept mm-hmm. setting the same note, yes. don't let us be on Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, look, it's one, that scene right there, the Jake Winters scene is like, you know, when you're reading the story and you find out about that, you know, that we, we realized that that was one of the moments in Fred's life that had a huge impact on him. And you just couldn't you couldn't not put that in there. I mean, right. William O'Neill talked about it in his interview. And that was when, you know, the cops really started to, to ramp up on, on the Panther. So it was one of those things where we it was so crucial to not only the development of Hampton, but the development of the plot as well. We, we couldn't lose it. Oh, yeah. Ryan, go back. Go ahead. Um, so there are um, as many scenes with with Lakeith and Daniel. I think that the scenes between Jesse and, and Lakeith are just as interesting and fascinating to sort of dive into. And it almost seems like they're in different worlds. Right. And because of the fact that, you know, there are scenes in the house, there are scenes at restaurants, you know, pretty much like open area locations that you as an audience member start sitting there and you're like, um, the, the, he could get caught at any moment. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no way that, you know, William's not going to get like found out. And yet that's just not the case. So is, is that something that you are noticing when you, when you're talking to others, but also when you're, when you're writing it and when you see the film, the tension there in the, and I, I really feel that the tension in those scenes because as an audience member, we're given the fact that like, oh, someone's going to walk in. and But at the time, that's just not the case. Right. Right. It's, right, it's, right. It's, it is totally two different worlds. So can you talk a little bit about just how you crafted these two worlds and sort of the responses already of the fact that there there are two separate worlds and how they're at times are still two separate worlds today? Right, right, right. Well, in terms of just like the locations where they met, I mean, that was based on the interview. And he, he said, I mean, if you go back and because there's a full length version of that, uh, that interview with Eyes on a Prize, he says, I met him at his house. I met him in restaurants. We would go to these, these dark corners in, a, in restaurants and just talk and 
go go through things. So a lot of how we framed those scenes was based on just his testimony. Uh, but in terms of like the two worlds, I mean, you hear Fred say it. He says Chicago is one of the most segregated cities in in the in the in the country. So we wanted to sort of play on that, right? Like those the worlds are so separate that will can exist in both without ever getting caught. I mean, if you go to Chicago today, you know, you can go to the south side and west side and then go to to the north side and those two worlds never uh, uh, coexist with one another. That is is that segregated. So I think that that was sort of the the impetus and and keeping the world separate and create. I mean, keeping it uh, keeping it uh, uh, believable because those two worlds are very distinct and very separate. You're not gonna. There's not gonna be a lot of African Americans, you know, hanging around the north side especially in those types of restaurants. So, you know, it was just one of those things where it was believable to us because of the the deep entrenched segregation in, in, in Chicago. And even down the, a couple of years ago, you hear Trump going, it's a hellhole, they're killing each other, nobody goes to a Cubs right. game or a White Sox right. game, they don't go to the same thing. <laughs> He's not talking about the North Side. He's talking about yeah. South Side and West Side. Yeah. Are you referring to one-term president? <laughs> notorious, notorious, right. notorious Florida man. Yeah. But even it's like, hey, hey, I know Florida man. I work with Florida man. He is no Florida man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I read Florida man. Huh. Keith, can I ask, can I ask you one more question? For sure. Um, so, and I'll let Joey take over because um, I know he's got probably some more questions, but. So I am in charge. Obviously, <laughs> yes, we know Joey. You're in charge, um, <laughs> but uh, I know that you know. Obviously, I've been a follower of yours for you know your comedy and everything, and mm-hmm. you know comedians always talk about their influences. This is obviously a, a really big dramatic piece. You've probably been asked this a ton of times, and I apologize for that. Um, but when you're writing this script and you're doing this story. Are there writers? Are there other directors? The style in which you and Shaka are talking about? Are there films that you guys are are trying to sort of look at and say those are examples of what we're trying to get for the vibe? So when you talk to the studios, this is a sort of the vibe and everything. Um, are there specific directors, writers, films that when you guys were making all this that you had in mind? Right. And don't feel the need to cite me as a writer. <laughs> well, I mean, we, know, we know. I mean, we all know. That's why you're here for the second time. <laughs> so, I mean, with the story itself, I mean, we were we were heavily influenced by The Conformists, which uh, which came out in the 70s. Uh, it was Bertolucci. And uh, that sort of really, really shaped our perception of how we thought this film could turn out. And when we had that first talk with uh, Shaka, we sort of just vibed out on 70s cinema, the crime thriller, crime thrillers throughout the 70s, the French Connection, uh, um, uh, Dog the Afternoon, a lot of Sidney Lumet, uh, just a lot of like, you know, those gritty crime thrillers in the 70s. I think that that was sort of the, the, the deepest influence, but also like Scorsese, right? Like we mentioned The Departed too, like, you know, we, we, we wanted to sort of make uh, uh, a civil rights film, but within the world of The Departed, you know, we, we wanted to, to, to sort of not reinvent the, the black biopic, but just do something that was a little different. Uh, you know, we didn't want to do the cradle to the grave biopic. We wanted something where it was more of a genre crime thriller and 
all of all of the major crime thrillers were, were influ- influencers, even to the, like the Dark Knight. I mean, if you see the the relationship between Hampton and and O'Neill, and to, to me, it's like it's sort of like the Joker and uh, Batman. You have one guy who's just like really, really committed to his beliefs, and then you have this other guy who's just chaos. Uh, so, like a lot of the crime thrillers, he, you name them, it was it was a huge influence on the 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 uh, the the texture of the world. Mm. Um, the film has, like you said, uh, documentary style footage from William O'Neill, you know, doing a, like a to the camera sort of, not defense of what he did, but like just sort of trying to reframe it. And you use it a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I, I had asked you a little bit about this already, but how do you, how do you find the right amount? And then sort of tied into that, you know, everyone goes in with it, who has any knowledge of, of Fred Hampton knows that, you know, there's going to be the, the assassination sequence. How mm-hmm. do you how do you also make sure that it's not either over the top, like, you know, a Paul, Paul Verhoeven type, like, oh, God, it's just ultra violence. Right. But still, you know, right. the right amount of upsetting while not, you know, like, I'm sure there, there could also be a version where, you know, you you don't see him. You just see them go in and you're like, oh, and here's right. what happened, on, you know, on screen. Like, how do you. How do you find the right mix to make sure you're making your point, but you're still, you know, like you said, kind of involved in genre fair? Right, right. So to the first question with the interview, you know, when, when the initial script, you know, it had way more of the interview in it. Um, and we even filmed way more of the interview. So, you know, when, the, when we got the first uh, the first cut of the of the uh of the uh, the film, you know, it had way more of the the interview, but it just started to feel tedious after a while. Going cutting back to the to the flashback and just going back to the interview, so it was all about just like figuring out the right pacing, and that's a testament to the editing and Shaka, where they were they, they made the right cuts, uh, you know, because we didn't we just didn't need all the exposition. You could just you know you could just see it. We we made sure just to keep what we thought was necessary for, you know, explaining some of the story. But uh, we we didn't want to go back to the interview too much because we felt like it would lose some of the impact of when you see it that final time. Uh, if you go back to it too much, it sort of loses its, uh, it loses its sort of importance. So uh, testament to Shaka and Kristen for, for cutting out some of the, I mean, most of the interview really. But in terms of the, um, that final scene, uh, not the final scene, but the you know the death scene or the assassination scene. Uh, we we felt we we definitely needed to show something. We didn't want to we didn't want it to be too gratuitous. I mean, it was still heavy, but we, you know we don't. I don't want to reveal too much, but it's it's a heavy scene, and we I think we showed the right amount. Uh, we again we didn't want to be too gratuitous because we already had the, the Jake Winter shootout that was already just like. A lot, and then you had the, the the Jimmy Palmer shootout, which was a lot. So you had a lot of death. It started to feel more like a horror movie after a while. So with that final scene, we wanted to, and it's a testament to Shaka's direction and how he did it. Just like the over the top sequence, which again just it shows like the just how how deadly that raid was. So you can see it from the top as opposed to like seeing it from the cops' perspective. Uh, so you, 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 you see all of it, but you, it's so like overwhelming that it doesn't become, I mean, for me, at least it wasn't like unsettling. It was just like, holy shit, this is, this is like, 
this is an insane moment that I can't believe happened in real life. And it's a testament to how powerful Fred was that they, they, they just, they sent the entire, they sent seven, seven fucking cops to kill him. Uh, so it was one of those scenes where we knew we needed, but we didn't want it to be too gratuitous. Um, and again, it's a testament to Shaka's direction that it, it, he was able to pull that off because we know that a lot of people are going to be uncomfortable with that scene. Uh, it's a very triggering scene and traumatic, um, but it's, it's like his death is one of those things where that, that's the one thing that a lot of people know about Fred Hampton. They know how they know how he died. And so we knew we needed to show it, uh, but we didn't want to do it again in a gratuitous way. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know you have to go in a minute, but quickly, we're going to read a question from the audience. Um, R. Giuliani asks, no, um, David, <laughs> yeah. God, I wish. I mean, he is on Twitter, right? We could we could pitch him. Um, He's on yeah. Twitter. Yes. Yeah. He's still on there. They ain't oh, maybe not. Pretty. Maybe he got banned. Rudy, your friend, your friend Keith Lucas uh, is on. Would you like to ask a question? We can just get you guys associated. Um, no. David, uh, it's like David, one eye would look one way, the other eye would look the other way. Like you'd be yeah. looking all crazy. Yeah. David Longs uh, from the Is It Worth It podcast chimes in to say, uh, "I really fancy uh, Judas and the Black Messiah to win Best Picture. What do you think of its chances of a Best Picture nomination? Ultimately, how would it fare at the Oscars twenty twenty one? Keith used to be on an awards uh, website. Why don't you answer your own question?" Oh yeah! Yikes! Uh, Where do you have it listed in your top ten predictions? Was man, it's like this has been the. It's tough because you know I'm so close to the material, but you know, and you know, you when you do this, you you've done it for so long. You know, the Academy is very. They have they have very white, very they have their tastes, and you know, I I feel like our movie is very dark. It's 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 anti-capitalist. I, I wouldn't I, mean, I wouldn't put it up there with Trial of Chicago Seven. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, I feel like if it's gonna let's, let's say in a in a in a hypothetical situation, it comes down to those two. It's like, you know, I feel like maybe it, especially after a movie like Green Book wins, it's like I can't in in my my right mind say that we're gonna win. <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's tough, man. I, I think that the movie is capable, and I think that it's good, and I think that. If, you know, certain members of the Academy, uh, you know, goes for it, it could, it could, it could win, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those, it's tough, man. It's, it's tough. It's a dark movie. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I truly don't know. It could, it could win. It may not win. It may not even get nominated. I have no idea. Oh yeah. You and I, you and I spoke about it a little bit. I, th- I think, um, that the, the more targeted a campaign it does, the better it'll, it'll fare. And I also, when I wrote something about like how Biden impacts best picture and how, you know, voters can can kind of not have to think about politics if they don't want to when they're voting this year. Had uh, mm-hmm. had Trump won, I would have been fairly confident you guys would have won just because it would have it would have independent of quality. Because obviously, like this is a good movie. This is a movie that deserves to be in the conversation. You know, right, there would have right. been a larger segment of voters going, "I'm I'm fucking pissed off. What's the angriest movie I can find?" And and <laughs> hi, how you doing? You know, if ever you wanted right, to right. to have a movie that's you know raging at an injustice you know there isn't anything else in the running that that speaks to that mindset as much you know defy bloods has right, a little bit right of that. but you know there isn't more there isn't a more perfectly timed movie for i'm mad as hell and i don't want to take it anymore 
than Judas. So right, you know, right. I mean, you know, you have the you know you had the the protests over the summer. You have the impeachment coming up. So the mood of the country, you know, I I wish it was more optimism, but I still sense that there's a there's a there's a there's a segment of the of the country that's still very very angry. They want they want justice for you know Trump and his his uh his cult storming the capitol so there's still some anger there who knows how that impacts the academy i don't know i have no idea exactly i mean i think i think that as long as warner brothers goes you know and gives it the the push that it that it deserves and and doesn't right. try to soft pedal its chances i mean it'll it's it's got a legitimate chance to crack the the picture lineup and the sporting actor lineup and the screenplay lineup and and maybe even cinematography so that's that's not right, bad. Right. I think you know, it's. I, look, I think it's in. Yeah, I think it's in contention. I don't. Again, I don't. You never know until you know. Uh, yeah. and, and doing it and predicting and being a prognosticator is like you just never know until you know. So I think we're in contention. I don't know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> yeah, and by and large, for you guys, because of you know debuting a little later in the game, you're going to be relying on the guilds more so than. Right, wow, this right, is right. one every critics group. Not that unfortunately critics matter. We we don't. Um, you know, like I think today you might have, I think the film might have picked up like its first, like critics win. I think, uh, I think Daniel won supporting actor with like New right. Mexico or something. And like we that. made the, uh, we got the black, the black film critic circle, which is, yeah. tends to be pretty somewhat accurate and, and, you know, aligning with best picture. But again, it's, this is such a crazy year too. It's like, this is one of the most unconventional years ever. So it's hard to even apply what happened in the past to this year. I just, I truly don't know what's going to happen. Keith, it's a, it's a, is there like a, is, are there like a movie or something that you've seen this year that besides yours that you would champion for, for awards contention that you love that spoke to you? Yeah, I love he's Soul, still, he's man. Still pushing, he's still pushing Green I love man. Soul. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, I feel like Soul is being underestimated. Yeah. I thought that it was, uh, I thought that it was marvelous, but Again, people people have that the animation bias, but man, that's uh, so true. It's it's terrible. It's it's such a bias, man. It's like and following it so closely this year, it's like people are still like, yeah, maybe. But it's like it's ma- it's making money. It's it was streamed. It, it's one of the most streamed uh, movies of the year. It's like, and it was so like I think perfectly written. But who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, in any event, I know Keith has to go, so this is your reminder that Judas the Black Messiah is. Uh, was about two weeks away now from from yep, hitting two on, weeks away on the platforms, yeah, um, on yep. HBO Max or in a theater if you're wildly braver than I am, <laughs> and uh, you know I've seen it. I uh, I can't I can't believe that you know when I went to watch it, Keith uh, accidentally gave me Dune, but you know I like Judas <laughs> better. So. Oh man! <laughs> on behalf of Miles and, and myself, I'd like to say this: it sounds incredible, uh, and we can't wait to see it. Wink, wink, Warner Brothers. <laughs> Steve, he sent you. He, Steve, he sent you the file. It was Matrix Four. We had a big laugh over it. Everyone was mad. It was no. Yeah. Send me, send me your email. I can, uh, I can, I can get you guys a uh, screener <laughs> for for Matrix Four. Wow, man, not Matrix. Jeez, 4. I didn't know you had that kind of pull already, man. That's, I mean, hey. I mean, you no guys, one le- you guys no one's laughing. leaving, and you're stepping in his spot. I see how it is. That's good. I mean, you guys, <laughs> you guys are laughing. He said, "Yeah." Yeah, uh, you guys, you guys had fun with your with your Matrix. He sent me the Batman, and it's not even done yet. I don't know how he did it, but he did. <laughs> it's mostly puppets. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Pattinson as a puppet, just like I'm Batman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. 
And now that we got uh, Keith fired, he's going to go have his meeting now. So, But, but seriously, it does, it does sound incredible. Thank you. Yeah, thank I, you. I legitimately can't wait to see it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll send it to you guys. Just send me your email addresses, and I'll, I'll see I if will. I can get I you guys will, a screen. I will get it to you. I will get it to you right now. All right. Great. Awesome. Thank you, Keith. Thank you. Always thank you, guys. Thank you. Hope to have you on here again. Of course. He says with no intent of ever coming. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll be back. I'll be back. He's got to do the pitch game. He's got to do the pitch game. With us. <laughs> All right. Sure. All right, Keith, go for it. All right. Bye. Peace. All right. So, can I say one fun. thing, Joey? Yes. I think the um, there's going to be an epiphany. A moment of great praise given to my wonderful Orida joke that no one seemed to have caught. Uh, Orida, potatoes, frozen potatoes, McCain. People are going to be crying. Oh, you, right? No one's going to have heard anything that Keith Man. said because all of the, the laughter and joy that I brought to them through potato humor. It is a moment that will be remembered in comedic. This history. is like me and a Neil Diamond joke. You got to just move. We got to move on. But no, you know, it's, it's it's a thinker. You have to sort of stop and, yeah. and dwell on it for a it's, little bit. It's the it's the tentative jokes. I'll say that, Steve. Everyone, that. rewind to jokes. to uh, fourteen minutes and twenty eight <laughs> seconds. I feel like I like mm. how you time coded it. If he, if that is actually the time code for this, I would be extremely impressed. I'm it, not gonna I also feel like you don't want uh, Miles to drill down on it being the tenant of jokes, oh. knowing what he knows about tenant, knowing how he feels about tenant. I'm sorry. Mm. Well, I mean, we're not all we're not all perfect. Suddenly, I have a sad face on my screen. Yeah. You know what else isn't perfect? Tenet. Don't no no no. Come on, you set me up for it. Damn it! I know I did too, and I'm like, son of a bitch. Ugh. I mean, you you saw the end it's of the fine. joke at the it's beginning, fine. right? I don't hate it. Ah, I know we should. Uh, you know, it was the beginning of the joke at the end, so it's very tenety. Um, here, let's go into some questions. <laughs> Okay. We've got uh, got one from Matt Anderson. Thanks, Matt. Of the past decade, the 2010s, in case you don't know what the past decade was, which of the directing categories had the strongest set of nominees at the Oscars? So this will kill several hours of our time, but let's let's go into it, <laughs> knowing knowing how we we do this. So I'm going to pull them up. I'm going to start with 2010, and we're going to go for it, and then we can just keep track of what seems like the best one, and then we'll. we'll handle it at the end so 2010 can you repeat the question i'm sorry i didn't no oh and that's basically what (laughs) what year out of the last 10 years had the best best director lineup the year okay all right so 2010 tom hooper wins for the king speech oh (laughs) yeah uh the other nominees were darren aronofsky for black swan coen brothers for true grit David Fincher for The Social Network, and David O. Russell for The Fighter. Uh, Hooper's really dragging down that that five. I was about to say, literally every other person in that category deserved to win over Hooper. Yeah. yeah. Not, not I, a bad lineup. I've softened a little... I've softened a little bit on Aronofsky, but yeah, the rest of them are... That's pretty good. I mean... I mean, I don't even, I don't even hate the King's Speech. I think it was... I just... Yeah. That's a that's a that's a perform that's a film and a directorial outing that is hurt by winning. Like had he not won, I mean, that would have been a thoroughly acceptable. Like oh, it was number three in the category. Great. I mean, Joey, it's not his best film because that's Cats, but I mean, it's mm. it's pretty uh, good film. You know, what I mean, so yeah. Right. What is interesting about that lineup is it's not just a set of good directors, but it's like with many of them, some mm-hmm. of their better films. 
Yeah. I mean, I think we're probably all on the the Fincher wagon there as like our favorite of the bunch, but you yeah. know, that's still He has a wagon? <laughs> yeah. Paint your wagon. Oh. The, the Coen brothers Man. actually made paint your yeah. wagon that year, not True Grit. Yeah. Fincher showed yeah. up. All right. So 2010's like, wow, probably not going to be our pick, but still a, I think going to end up in the like upper tier, which you wouldn't think when we start with Tom Hooper. Uh 2011. Uh Michelle has a Vinicius wins for the the artist. Um, another one that didn't quite age well. <laughs> oh man! You the said that auteur, name and I was like, "Who?" The auteur yeah. of Michelle Hashinavich. But isn't that the same you know as I mean? a King's Speech? Uh, it's winning is actually probably hurts it more than anything. It, it... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, your other four nominees that year. I feel like this is not going to be the list that people gravitate towards. You have Woody Allen, Midnight in Paris. <laughs> oh, what you a have, what a uh, class act. I, I, I mean, I, I, so far it's my favorite of the group, but you know, yep. Woody's not coming on the podcast, put it that way. Um, <laughs> though might show up in, in Miles' show. Time stamp that one, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Woody's not coming right. on the podcast. I mean, so, <laughs> so I think one of the future episodes of Miles' show, by the way, guys, readers, oh, God. readers is debuting later on this episode. Um, oh, we could also, have by Allen the way, playing. fuck you for making me follow Keith with this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if I did that first, he wouldn't be here for his part. Um, well, I don't disagree, but ooh, this yeah. is the le- well. I mean, they're two like, anticipated it could have been in the events. Of a standard episode, and now, uh, now I got to follow all that great Judas and the Black Messiah talk with Mike and the great Orida joke. Well, I, mean, I mean, listen, it's it's a mech. It's a yes, yes, and the great potato joke of 2021. Yeah. I'm just saying, Woody Woody Allen playing Woody. From Toy Story could show up in your in your script. Oh there we go. You're not wrong. Yeah. All right. So the other three the in the category: Terrence Malick, head. Terrence Malick, The tri- Tree of Life, um, Alexander Payne, The Descendants, Martin Scorsese, Hugo. Not gonna be my pick. No. Yeah, that's it, that one's tough to go, get behind. Yeah, especially yeah. also too with the stuff about pain, as well. Yeah. So, I mean that that kind 40% of forty percent of the lineup quickly, right there. Yeah. 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 That's an age. Yeah, well. He is a very good agent, though, because that that was like a one day story. Yeah. And then he's like talking to the DGA with Sofia Coppola. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I guess I won. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The next year, 2012, Ang Lee wins for Life of Pi. I mean, I think we're sensing a trend, actually. It's like things that I'm like, eh. a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Michael Haneke nominated for a more David O. Russell nominated for Silver Linings Playbook. Steven Spielberg nominated for Lincoln and Ben Zeitlin nominated for Beast of the Southern Wild. I won't be voting for this just for Ben Zeitlin alone. What a horror. What just no, no. I hate that movie. I mean, can I can I vote for the 2012 alternative lineup of uh, of Affleck of and Tarantino, Tarantino and, Bigelow. and Bigelow? Yes, you can vote for that one. You know, what I mean, yeah, that's a Sam that's Mendes a great for uh, for Skyfall. And oh my uh, God, all the great ones that didn't get nominated that year. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And then that, throw that, in the, and then throw in yeah somebody else anybody else why well, was that a year of a separation uh, uh no that was a few no years that was the year that was the year before that, was that. Years of, oh was year um, no this would have been this would have been Les Mis so no <laughs> um this would have been flight so no um, I like flight eh, but it wasn't good the sessions I wouldn't say it should be nominated but you know I'm just thinking of like another like great director like I I would say yeah. like uh. I mean, holy motors for me, but you know, I don't think that's a, a mainstream pick. Oh, Paul Thomas Anderson for the master. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Oh, there you go. There you so, go. We, I mean, 
alternate 2020 win uh, 2012 wins but <laughs> let's see if something can come up well, i don't know about wins but it's in contention so far it wins that 2020 but uh 2012 but we'll see uh 2013 alfonso Cuarón gravity okay. um i think this is yeah, going to be is. a pretty good one though mm-hmm. steve mcqueen 12 years a slave mm-hmm. alexander payne nebraska Mm. David O. Russell, American mm. Hustle, mm. and Martin Scorsese, The Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know who that is. It's a young, hungry uh, Italian filmmaker. Italian? Yeah. Yeah. He oh, makes wow. gritty movies. Yeah, so. and gritty pasta mm. sauce. <laughs> well, well, I did, I did, I did tease the uh, the cameo appearance eventually of Martin Scalpini, the filmmaker on. Uh, Miles yes. show. Can we? Can we? Somebody's got to start writing down all these celebrity <laughs> pun names because I'm never going to remember them all. And and Miles, I was going to say your next door neighbor is just John Ham, and nobody nobody gets. <laughs> yeah, it's don't just, change it. It's at John Ham as John Ham, just completely like doing weird things and and like he, he's no the one... only he's the only celebrity that isn't also a food item. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There you and, go. He, and and no and he only shows up like every other episode or something like that. And he has like right. one. Well, he is, it's he funny. Is up the room. John Ham gets mentioned a lot on this yeah. on this podcast. You wonder someday we're gonna we're gonna look back and say, I can't believe he guest posts so often. I mean <laughs> I mean I did interview him. We can just splice in some choice audio and pretend he's here. <laughs> well, Ham's back. That's he's a good like way a nice guy. He's a good way like to get nice in trouble. Guy. Yeah, he was, like he was great. He was great. America's top actor. Yeah. So this this so 2013 so far, I think, is one of our better ones. But I, you know, I don't think that's the winner either. I'd, t- I'd say 10 as of right now, because I'm, I'm I'm telling you, I, one, I'm not a big fan of Nebraska. And two, oh, I'm not Nebraska. a big fan of Alexander Payne. So. All right. Um, so that's 2013. 2014, we have Vinyaratu winning for Birdman. Mm-hmm. The other nominees being Wes Anderson, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm. Richard Linklater, Boyhood. Bennett Miller, Foxcatcher. Morton Tildum, The Imitation Game. No. One of these things is not like the other. I'll take this lineup. Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. Oh, wow. I think it. Yeah. As of right, as of right yeah. now. Yeah, started yeah. strong. It's top heavy. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I don't mind the imitation game. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's fine. But my yeah, memory, no, my memory is not bad. I like Foxcatcher. I like Boyhood. I love Birdman, and I love Grand Budapest. So I can't. I love, I love for the that. first two, yeah. but then it kind of. I don't like for Boyhood. Fair enough. I don't care for that at all. All right. I was, and I was pretty lukewarm on Foxcatcher yeah. too. Mm. I like right. Bennett Miller, man. I need him to make more movies. He's I love Moneyball. Movies. Yeah, agree. Oh. Fantastic movie. Oh, thank you, Miles. Yeah, and and Agreed. Capote's good too. Capote's Capote's good. good. Too. Capote's yeah. mainly good Capote's for fine. Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's a good Hoffman. movie. Yeah. yeah. No. All right. Twenty fifteen. See if it can compete. Inuritu wins again for The Revenant. Never mind already. Um, Lenny Abramson, Room. <laughs> Though Lenny Abramson doing The Room would be better. Uh, Tom McCarthy, Spotlight. <laughs> Adam McKay, The Big Short, and George Miller, Mad Max Fury Road. This is that's a lineup. Not a bad one. No, that's not I a just, bad one. I just don't like Lenny Abramson's direction in Room. Well, it's like every year there's at least one or two in there that's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I literally haven't heard anything from that director since then. I mean, he made he made, made like, the uh, little children or something like that. Or, the the or, Donald Gleason, I'm in a ghost yeah. house. Look at Will Poulter; he's got a messed up face. Yeah, the yeah. little stranger. Little stranger, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And Morton told them made uh, made passengers. I'll take passengers. Did he please. really? Ooh. Yeah. I'll take passengers for five hundred. Um. All right. Not gonna be the the year. 
2016, um, spoiler alert, might be my pick. Um, Damien Chazelle wins for La La Land. Mm-hmm. The uh, the one that's holding me back, Mel yeah. Gibson, Hacksaw Ridge. Your, though, your buddy. Though as, much, though as much as I hate that movie, it is admittedly decently staged, you know, like action war movie direction. Like he, he knows just, how to shoot. A, he knows how to shoot a movie. Yeah, he just didn't. He, just he also made, knows he how to shoot great, off it. He knows also he how to shoot off of his mouth. Most, yeah. <laughs> he does a great job of making the world's most violent movie about pacifism. Yes, he just you know every scene where uh, Andrew Garfield is playing uh, the the Ben Stiller character from Tropic Thunder, I can I can live without that. I got that. I got that. That was a good one, Miles. Thank <laughs> the, the most yeah. the the movie about a pacifist is the most violent movie of the year. Yeah, are, like that sequence when they're it's climbing so up the violent. hill, like, and it's ridiculous. like all these arms and legs are flying off. It's like, yeah, no, it's great. It, ma- it makes it. the Normandy scene from Saving Private Ryan look tame. Yeah, yeah, it looks like we can put that on at, at daycares for kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? hmm. All right. Other three nominees here. Barry Jenkins, Moonlight. Hmm. Kenneth Lonergan, Manchester by the Sea. Danny Villeneuve, Arrival. See, the bottom That's half is better than the than the top half. I mean, I like and, La La Land, but. And, Bar- and Barry's the best in the middle. So there we so go. So what if we sub out Hacksaw Ridge? What would it be? For that, that year? Yeah. Um... Uh, David McKenzie, Hell or High Water. That's my pick. Not a bad Ooh, that's one. That's not though. a bad one. Um, hang on. Because right now I'm with Joey. I think this is my pick. Yeah, this is. It's this or 2010 for me right now. I would. Say... I mean, if you wanted uh, Zack Snyder, Batman v Superman. <laughs> that's it, how Pablo. About, you go fuck. How about that one? <laughs> how about Pablo Lorraine for Jackie? That's well, actually ooh. probably what my pick was that year. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean that alternate lineup. I know movies, guys. I'm pretty good at it. Either that or Mike Mills for 20th Century Women. Like that's, or I mean, you have the most. Pablo Pablo Pablo. made my lineup, so that would probably be one. I think I think my personal lineup. I think my personal lineup that year was was Chazelle, Lonergan, Pablo Lorraine, David McKenzie, and then probably some random fifth one that surprised people. That I can't think of. Wow! You don't even have Barry Jenkins in your five? How dare you? My, it was my number eleven movie of that year, so I was told I was a wild racist. Well, I mean, it's on brand. Well, here, I'll I'll be yeah. controversial. I fucking hate Manchester by the Sea. I think Monster. it is absolutely borderline unwatchably bad. I thought you, I thought you were going to say Moonlight. So, I said, like, "Wow, Miles, it was nice knowing you." Um, no, hope Moonlight's the Kevin Spice after being after Joey out. being called a racist for putting it at number eleven. You're going to say, "I hate it." Oh, I was like, no, Moonlight's great. Manchester is like off. <laughs> yeah, off I thought he was going to come in and be like, "This Barry Jenkins guy, get rid of him." No, no, no. no I was like, fantastic. "Wow." You know, I, 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 I know Kevin had the original, you know, story for Moonlight and he and Spicy were going to make it. It, <laughs> yeah. it always right. goes on. Miles has been censured for not liking Manchester by the Sea. We're moving well, I, on to 2017. Like Manchester. Good. Guillermo del Toro wins for Shape of Water. Other nominees, PTA Phantom Thread, Greta Gerwig, Lady Bird, Christopher Nolan, Dunkirk, Jordan Peele, Get Out. This is the Ooh, year for me. This is the might, year. That might jump ahead for me, too. That's a that really is, good line. That is the year. And it also, in a year like that, which I think it is the strongest, spoiler alert, um, though maybe there's one more, um, but I doubt it. The winner is my five spot because Del Toro is the weak link for me in, in the entire category. Oh, Agreed. whatever. 
I yeah, agree, actually. I, because it's the worst oh. film in his filmography. And, oh, whatever. And, and d- didn't Y'all. deserve Best Picture. And, Y'all. Um, no, and no, 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 no. I would, I would do it um, bottom to top. I would do Del Toro, then Gerwig, then Peel, then PTA, then Nolan. That's how I'd do it. Oh, I just and it's and it's a wide gap between four and five. It's a fi- wide gap between four and five. Oh, I wouldn't replace him. I, I I wouldn't replace him, but I think about it. Ooh, ooh. All right, let's move on before I get mad. <laughs> Twenty eighteen, Alfonso Cuarón, Roma. Other nominees: Yorgos Lanthimos. If, hold on one second. Spike Let me Lee, make Black Clan. Comment. Yeah. You wouldn't like Max when he's angry. Or not Max, Miles, I'm sorry. You wouldn't like Miles when he's angry. <laughs> but hold on. Damn it. When I'm angry, you I really know. Really when when you're angry, you turn into Guillermo del Toro. It was funnier when I saw it all come together. Then I screwed up my your name. Yeah. Any, anyway, that was... Trust that me, was, it's hilarious. I love you, Steve. Uh, I want to give you a hug for that one. I'm sorry, in. bud. <laughs> keep it in. As I was saying, <laughs> the other nominees. Yorgos Lanthimos, the favorite. Spike Lee, Black Klansman, Adam McKay, Vice, Paolo Palakowski, Cold War. See, this is wow. another one where you have one in there that's so bad, and it's McKay Bro. for Vice, and you're just like, man, couldn't anyone else have made it in there? Couldn't, like, even though I'm not, like, big on the film, couldn't, like, Kugler have made it in for, for right? Panther or... You know, even Cooper for A Star is Born. Or... I mean, that was the snub. But uh, Yeah, that yeah, was a pretty I mean, big snub. Yeah. Spoiler Honestly, alert. Out of that lineup, Spike Lee's the only one I'm super excited about. The others yeah. are like, good directors who have all made better films. That's fair. I like Roma a lot. So Roma's good, but I don't think it's his best work. Yeah. Roma's my least favorite. I, of and I like, and I like, and I really do like Cold War. I actually think that that's better than... Mm-hmm. Cold War is good, actually. Roma's great yeah. technically. Everything else, I, I don't care for that film at all. Yeah, and and from a technical perspective, as a director, he knocks it out of the damn park. You know yeah. that scene, that scene in the ocean alone is just like yeah, it's beautiful, it's mm-hmm. breathtaking. You know, there's I mean, Fair. it's it's such a director achievement. But I understand people don't like the story. So. And then we got Bong Joon Ho, Parasite, with the following nominees, which we should all remember at this point because it was you know only seventy five years ago. It feels like. Uh, Sam Mendes, 1917. Todd Phillips, Joker. Martin Scorsese, The Irishman. Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, if it wasn't for Phillips, I think this would be my pick. Yeah, um, it's like that one's very top heavy. But as soon as you get to Phillips and I'm going to say it, even Tarantino, uh, mm-hmm. it, it loses me. See, it would be Phillips yeah. and Mendes are my, are my two that I'm like, I could replace yeah, them. Phillips and Mendes can get the hell out of there. Um, and I would replace them with somebody like... Greta Gerwig, I replace no. him with 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 Taika. I replace him with. Um, uh, I definitely Pe- go Taika Amado- for sure. Amadovar for Pain and Glory. Um, yeah, you know. I mean, my my replacements would be Treadwood Schultz for Waves. And... Mario Heller for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. You know. I'll accept Ooh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Garinda Chada for uh, Blinded by the Light because I'm me. Lulu Wang for The Farewell. Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. Yeah, I mean, last year, guys, 2019, pretty good year. Pretty, I would I'm, agree. I would agree. I mean, so what I mean, are we? Like, so what are we thinking? Are we on? I think we narrowed it down to 2010. Um, 17 for sure. 2013 did well, but I think it's going to come up short. 
um, 16 close, so 17. So let's say 17 and 10. Probably, I'd go 16 right? over, over yeah, 10. Would... Yeah, I'm I might 16, lean 16 well. too. I really love Arrival. Okay, so 16 and 17? 16, 17 is fine with me. I can me. live with that. I can live even, with though, that. even though it has Mel Gibson. I'm on 16, I guess, then. <laughs> I'll take 16. 17. Not, not for his purposes. Well, Miles, do we have a tie or are we going 16? Uh, I'll lean 16. Yay. All right, there we go. We won. There you go. Matt, Democracy. you have your answer. There you go. Yes, and then we... <laughs> it was a rigged. It was... This was rigged. It was rigged. Stop the First count. It's, it's, it seemed like 2010 was winning, and then they kept counting years. And they kept counting. It's not right. It's rigged. All right. We're going to we storm have... the... We're going to storm the Academy's new museum. It's going to be fantastic. Yes, we have a... Film Hawk face off from someone who did not leave their name unless Steve didn't tell me their name. Uh-oh. But no, they have a name. Give me one second. You want to? They have yes. a name. Me, yeah. Pull it up. His they name is Brian. Name. I was just thinking. Brian Homicky. All right. All right. Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, all good. All right. Film Hawk face off. Fargo or Train Spotting? Fargo. Brian? Oh, uh, Fargo train spotting? Fargo. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. Steve? Fargo. Get out of here. Train spotting. All right. Uh, Goodwill hunting or LA confidential? Well, if you'd asked me a couple of years ago, I might have had a different answer to this one. Uh, I'll say Goodwill (laughs) hunting. LA confidential. No matter who's in it. Sorry. It kind of matters to me. Yeah, he is your he is your top client, um, and you just ticked them off with your. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe the mic didn't catch that. <sighs> is that is that how you first communicate to one another in the, to each other's ears? Hi, Kevin. It's it's uh, the depressed sound that makes Joey's erection go up. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't need that blue pill. Um, it's a. Uh, Goodwill Hunting, I guess, but it's really close. I still do like L.A. Confidential. It's L.A. Confidential is a great movie, and it honestly, is. I would probably yeah. I, I might mean, even you know what you know what I'm gonna say. Like you know what I'm gonna. But that's the problem is like I I haven't watched a single thing with him in it since all this stuff's come out. So since Billionaire Boys Club a couple of years ago, I I didn't even watch that. So I mean, like I'm telling you, it's 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 one. It's I'm not consciously avoiding it. I just haven't had the urge of like, let's slide on something from space. I think you know it's one I mean? of my favorite so, films. Well, and I'm st- stay tuned to go back and watch it. <laughs> and, and I know Joey's about to say something. So just say it, Joey. Stay tuned for later in the podcast. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, Goodwill Hunting, because that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And, no, and Williams, Williams is overrated. fantastic in the film, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll say okay. this. Spacey or no Spacey, they're very close. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Big Lebowski or A Simple Plan. Big Lebowski, one of the Coen's best. Wow, me and Miles agree. Um, the Big Lebowski. Lebowski. Uh, simple plan. I don't get the Big Lebowski. I need we to do more. Get, we don't get you. Home. How about that? Yeah, fair enough. What well, a comeback! Just like your opinion, man. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right, American Beauty or The Insider? God damn it! <laughs> I I, got I, didn't, mine. I didn't write the I didn't write these. I got mine. Um, it's the insider because uh, Michael Mann slaps. It's great. 
Yeah, nothing like Black Hat. Black Hat's good. No, it's not. <laughs> Michael Mann doesn't make bad movies. Only Ooh, bad people uh, go and see him. Miami Vice pushed me a little bit. Oh, yeah. man, I love Miami Vice. Boom, 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 boom. That's such a movie. You know what? Miami Vice is a lot like Tenet. And, like, and Black and Hat's a lot like that. they're both bad, yeah. No, and then and you got to feel, that, you that gotta feel those movies. You just got to feel them, baby. You got to feel them. <laughs> that very few people saw them in theaters. Yep. <laughs> Son of a bitch! God. That's a good point, though. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm going talk. American Beauty. I don't care. I don't care about the spacey factor. Oh. Are we like? Are we comparing movies with? It feels like. Are we comparing? No, movies I think with these are just random. Oh, okay. I was like, is this Randomly like Spacey's spacey and other movies that were nominated in that year or something like that? I mean, like, it seems like... I didn't. I didn't write these. <laughs> I like the randomness though of it. Yeah. That's cool. I'll go the entire right, miles. Uh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Before all the stuff came out, American Beauty was literally in my top three movies of all time. Really? And I, I don't think I will ever be able to watch it again. Not just because of Spacey, but because of like the, the stuff happening with his character. The context of it is just so icky. Like, yeah. I mean, it was already icky, but like in an entertaining way. But now it's icky <laughs> in like a I will not feel comfortable with myself. So like, I don't know. I love The Insider. It's one of my favorite Michael Mann films. So. So I can sleep at night. Plus that icky that one. plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Does, yeah. Doesn't help you sleep. It haunted stuff like yeah. that haunted Sundance for the next decade, or actually mm. still does to this point. Mm. So. Last one. Eyes wide shut or Magnolia? Magnolia. Oh, Magnolia. Yeah. It's Magnolia. That's tough. This is tough. Um, yeah, I'll go with Magnolia. I do love Eyes Wide Shut, but Magnolia is one of my top ten films. So yeah, same Magnolia. here. Magnolia for the soundtrack sweet. alone. Man, soundtrack. Eyes Wide. Amy Mann is. Yeah. Oh, I know. My God. Or like Ma- oh, Sorry about that. Um, no, Ma- Magnolia. Ju- yeah, like in the middle of Magnolia, they all just sing the oh, same song, it's and it's just like that's one of my favorite scenes. And you're just in like, like and, you're, and you're like, this is kind of brilliant, and also makes me want to have a PTA musical. Like, mm, can we right? All right. Oh my God. Ryan McDermott follows up with not a filmaholic face-off, but something else that we have not named yet. Said, based on Joey, that's me, it's current 11 through 20 predictions for Best Picture. Which film do you think has the best chance of being nominated? So it's a spin-off. So, The Father or Sound of Metal? Sound of Metal between those. Sound In terms of, of nominated for Best Picture. Sound of Metal. Yeah. Not quality. Sound of Metal. I mean... I don't know if I can play because this is my 11 versus my 12. So I guess the father <laughs> um, 13 versus 14 news of the world or first cow. Between those news of the world. Hmm. I haven't seen them, so I'm going to uh, flip a coin and here you go. Oh, first cow. Congratulations. First cow. <laughs> um. I, I think we're talking about best picture, right, Joe? Yep. Uh, man, those are two tough ones. I would say first cow. I, I will caution the people who pick news of the world that um, first cow won with, I believe, was it New York? And they almost never do not give their winner to a best picture nominee. So while I don't have it there. It does feel like it's appropriately high. All right. 
we have uh, 11, 12, that was 13, 14, 15 versus 16. I don't know if Ryan's allowed to play this one. Malcolm and Marie or Tenet? I, I've seen, no, I, oh, because they're two movies I like? I don't know. I just don't want you to play. <laughs> Fine, um, go. No, go I think, <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't get this joke. I, I want to play. I want to play. <laughs> you don't get to no play. No wire hangers. <laughs> wire right, hangers. Um, it's Malcolm and Marie is more closer at this point to landing best picture. But I will say I am not counting out tenant and I don't think anyone should like, I, it's going to get nominated in a bunch of texts. It could also land cinematography and editing and that five spot for directors crazy open. If Warner brothers wants to save Nolan from going to another studio, they find some way to get him into that conversation, that movie into more conversations a, right down the end. A good spot, a good start. Actually having it on the Academy's uh, screening portal because they do not yet. Yep. Yep. I'm that's, waiting. That's I'm telling you. Last second. Last second. Tenet gets in there. But no. Uh, right. Malcolm and Marie. Just week, But I'm telling you, Netflix got too much stuff, guys. They're going to fumble right. this thing again. We'll see. Rest well, of you. I'm sorry. Uh, Malcolm and Marie. I tend, tend it just seems to have so yeah, much a lot of heat against it from the people who don't like it do not like it. So no, well, it's, yeah. it's because speaking it's directed of, speaking, at them. Speaking of miles, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Malcolm and Marie tenant. I agree. We'll get a ton of technical nominations, but Christopher Nolan, like, you know, even some of his better films miss out on best picture. And this is not one of his better films. Oh, no. well, I mean, miles, that's just your opinion, man. Right. Uh, 17 versus 18. Pieces of a Woman, speaking of Netflix, or The Mauritanian? God, two movies. Yeah, um, can I say neither? I mean, <laughs> I the, answer, say, the answer is neither. They're my 18 and 19. They're my 17 and 18, but still. I would say Pieces of a Woman just because they're going to get acting nominations. But that doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean shit. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Steve? Sorry, all you Pieces of a Woman fan out there that was like, you know, fan meaning the one person out there that loves that. The Mauritanian. Sorry, Vanessa Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, even Ellen Burstyn was like, what? Yeah. And then uh, finally, my 19 and 20, Palm Springs or Soul? <laughs> soul. Soul. <laughs> the fact that you have Soul at, above, uh, below Palm Springs, it's kind of funny. Um, I mean, it's animated. It's not getting nominated. Well, I, I get that, but I mean... What's worse than animated is comedy at this point. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's soul. Yeah. I think soul is more likely to go in because if they're going to make an exception for anyone, it's going to be Pixar. Uh, but I think Palm Springs. Was I'm going to shock the world and I'm going to mm-hmm. say Palm Springs. As we were. And the, did you hear? Did cool. you hear that gasp? What? Yeah. It's Andy Samberg not telling you go fuck yourself. Oh, thanks, Andy. Yeah. It's like, good job. Hmm. Yeah, he's busy. He's not. Sh- he's not showing up today. Yeah, I know. It's gonna make you feel more uncomfortable that he's not telling you. Go <laughs> I'm yourself. switching to soul for that reason. Hey, Steve. Uh, yeah. Hello. Who is this? Fuck <laughs> you. Hey, I'm going Palm Springs. Yay! So influential. I don't know. I don't know what his follow up. I just have him do like the Kermit, like yay, <laughs> with the arms flailing. Um, speaking. 
Speaking of puppets. Oh, here we oh, go. God. Here we go. What better segue is there than Jesus. the uh, episode one of Sugar and Spicy? So um, we have uh, WandaVision going on right now. So everyone's in the mood for some classic sitcom zaniness, right? With a really disturbing undertone. So we've done our own. Uh, the, the first original recording for Awards Radar Media, or whatever we're naming it. All rights reserved. We sue. All right. So um, Miles will be playing all of the roles. And uh, I will be taking on the narrator. And uh, Steve and Ryan, if you could be an enthusiastic, perhaps held up at gunpoint uh, studio audience. We need uh, need some laughter. I can do it in post. I'll cue you, in fact. <laughs> you know what? Boom, yeah. Ba -dum, boom. Ba -dum, How long boom. is this going to be? How many pages you know. are we looking at? Three. So take, let's just, yeah, let's, three let's, three do, okay. let's do the audience uh, in post. I think it'll be All right, even better. We'll cut this out. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll cue up where the audience should be doing things. Well, I've, I've got it in the script Ooh. where the exactly. audience laugh goes. That's what I was trying to figure out how to do. I'll it. sit back and enjoy. All right. And then afterwards, uh, you guys can can review it. And that's how we'll sort of wrap up for this episode. All right. So. All right. Joe, are you clear where the um, stage directions and stuff are? Yes. Cool. All righty. Sugar and Spicy. Episode one. Last Charred Standing. Written under pressure by Miles Hughes. And now it's time for your favorite odd couple, Sugar and Spicy, starring Miles Hughes as himself. Can you believe I have to put up with this guy? And Nicolas Cage as Kevin Spicy. Don't act like you didn't miss me. Gross. Sugar and Spicy was filmed in front of a live studio audience. Viewer discretion is strongly advised. We open in Miles' apartment. It's your standard Seinfeld-esque sitcom-y apartment. Miles is in the kitchen attempting to cook an extravagant meal. It is not going well. Ah, oh, man. Who knew that cooking duckle orange with sweet potato casserole and lentil soup from scratch would be this difficult? At this moment, a sentient chili pepper with the face of Kevin Spacey bursts through the front door, Kramer style. This is somehow not as terrifying as it sounds. Did somebody mention difficult food? Why, if it isn't my next-door neighbor and infamous Hollywood sex pest, Kevin Spicy. That's right, and I've got a bone to pick with you, Milesy boy. I hope it's the kind you can make broth out of. I just got word from my agent that they're firing me for my award-winning Netflix series, House of Chards. I don't know if you can really say it was your show, Kevin. We all know that David Fincher was who really made that show what it is today. Fine, but I'm the lead character. And now they're going to kill me off screen, between seasons. How undignified. Ooh. Well, maybe you shouldn't have had all those inappropriate relations with young boys. Hey, they shouldn't have come to Peter Piper if they didn't want their pickled peppers picked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Miles gives him a concerned look before returning to his cooking. I don't know what to tell you. They want Ramen Wright to take over as the lead from here. Apparently they plan to address how you died in the final episode, but the producers have assured me that it'll be deeply unsatisfying. I can't go out like that. 
I'm two-time Olive Award-winning actor Kevin Spicy. You're the head writer. You gotta help me. Sorry, Kevin. My hands are tied. How is that possible? I don't know. But I don't think this is how you're supposed to cook spaghetti. Miles lifts his hands to reveal that they're literally tied up with loose strands of spaghetti. Spicy helps to untie them. I know my time in the sun is over for now. All I'm asking is that you give me a dignified exit. Something worthy of my talents. One good scene is all I need to go out on a high note. Come on, you know I can deliver. You loved me in the usual kumquats. <laughs> Even if I wanted to help, now's a terrible time. I'm trying to cook this elaborate meal for my girlfriend, and she'll be home any minute. Oh yeah? I've got a deal for you. As a food item myself, I know my way around the kitchen. You write me a killer final scene for House of Chards, and I'll help you get this dinner ready in time. I mean, that would be a huge help. I guess it couldn't hurt to write the scene, but I can't promise the producers will use it. That's the spirit. I'll make it worth your while, too. This'll be my greatest performance since L.A. Continental Breakfast. <laughs> Alright, but we've got to act fast. I've got to get in the zone. Quick, pour some sugar on me. <laughs> Spicy grabs some nearby powdered sugar and massages it into Miles' hair. And they say, I'm into some weird stuff. <laughs> All right, I'll get to writing. You do what you can in the kitchen. You got it, man. I'll make a meal for your little lady in no time. As long as there's no green peppers. You know how I feel about green peppers. What, you feel like sleeping with them before they're ripe, then coming out as gay to deflect the allegations? No, man, I'm just allergic. <laughs> Whatever, do what you gotta do. Just please try to finish before my girlfriend gets home. Why, is she not a fan? Let's just say she can't really handle spicy foods. <laughs> Miles, my boy, I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship. That's what I'm afraid of. Tune in next time for more adventures with sugar and spicy. Brought to you by your friends at the Awards Radar. There we so go. Sorry. <laughs> you're sorry. You think you're sorry. Now I'll show you sorry. Um, just wait until next week. That was All right. equal parts the best thing I've ever heard. And something I for sure think we will all get canceled for. Yeah. <laughs> Great job, guys. I I thought Great it was job. all right. Uh, the, oh, I found your, your <laughs> I found your performance uh, really inspired, Miles, but I worry about the hours of extra time I'll spend in uh, in post production. That's yeah, fair. you really you really fucked over Steve this week, dude. <laughs> I was fine with y'all doing a live laugh track. Joey's What's the, the deal with all these no, I think things? It was me. I, um, it's actually Steve. He volunteered his I'm own services. Oh, well then. Mm. I don't know about that, Kevin. I think that's really nuts. You know? All right. Well, so. while, we're, while we're here. So what's episode yes. two? Well, probably he reads the script and he has some notes for rewrites. You got to have all some right. female characters in there. Yeah, you got to have a cameo. All right. So we got... Uh, Send me the All pages. Right, so, I'll be your cameo. Okay, who's okay? Let's say my girlfriend is a famous actress. Who's a who's a food girlfriend I could have? Mm. Oh God, how much? How mean do I want to be? Um, 
Let's Kate see. marinara sauce. Kate, no, Mar- it's too Kate close marinara. to. Kate, that. It's not bad. It's too close to Martin Scalpini, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, well, give me a maybe, second. Maybe it's with Martin's Um <laughs> First of all, Martin Scalpini um, is just a plate of food with big eyebrows, so it's it's great. Yeah. Um, and we're zooming see. in, and we're cutting out, and we're going to do all this stuff, and we're going to put Jody it away for Thelma. Foster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jody Bananas <laughs> Foster. Don't do That's that to Jody Foster. You say what? The- Steve, you know I'm hopefully interviewing That's her. What is do not do that to her. Well, then perfect. We can tie them together. No. No, no, no. it's not. <laughs> no, think of no one that's working right now. <laughs> so we're going oh, with I got it. People? I got it. Heather Graham Cracker. Oh, that's a good one. There you go. There you go. Era appropriate. Fair enough. Is she a little fl- is she a, is she a flatter woman? You know, I like her for her personality <laughs> and her and her gritty. She, she crumbles uh, easily under pressure, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> You like the way she gets caught in your teeth when you eat too much of her. Mm. She pairs really well with marshmallows and chocolate. Mm. Kinky, kinky. All right. So we have uh, Heather Graham Cracker for now. Until she leaves you in the second season, we replace her with, uh, I don't know, find another one. Um, I'm not ruling out Jody Bananas Foster. I'm just saying. Well, she could also be, uh, she could be your mother. She'll really elevate your work. She shows up, you know, and there's some zany mix up later on. I don't see that. No, his mother's played by Betty Whiteclaw. Betty Whiteclaw. <laughs> and she's always drunk. She's, yeah, she's a drunk mom. All right. What's wrong with that? Grandma, maybe. Yeah. I'm not that old. Yeah, well, I mean. <laughs> so I think in, in the next episode, um, we read, you know, he's he's got the script for him and he's got some notes, but he also has to bring in the uh, the other writers. Maybe, no, so you know what? You're, in the next episode is you're writing the uh, the House of Chards finale mm-hmm. for that season, the Kill Em Off. So you need your other you know writing crew. You need your um, Woody Allen, which is just Woody from Toy Story, but voiced by Woody Allen. So he's on the writing staff. Um, when we're thinking writers, guys, and we're turning them into food. Come on, this is a writers' room thinking well, about a, really a writers' do Woody room. Woody Allen. I mean, you got to at least do I don't know, like Woody Allen wrench or something. Yeah, but that's not food. Woody Apple. Woody, no. Woody Apple. Um, Woody, Woody Apple. What the hell? Tim Apple? No. <laughs> I mean, this wood, is what we're... Wood-fired Grill Allen. Um, wood-fired Grill Allen. Um, let's see. Hmm. Steve, Steve, cut out the pauses. We should sound smarter. It's also dead air, so talk. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad Keith's not here for this. Yeah, so is he? <laughs> Maybe he, he would probably know. Genius ideas. You know what? Bring yeah. him back on. See if he's uh, out of his meeting. Uh, I'm just kidding. Well, listen. Just just hit me up on Twitter with any with any good names you think of, and I'll incorporate them into the script. That goes that's for at, you too, audience. That's at real Kevin Spacey is what his uh, Twitter handle is. So. See, my thing is after the response to my Again. Jody Foster, I feel like if you throw somebody in here, it's an insult. Yeah. So I don't want to. It's a loving homage. Um, I, li- I like that one. You know, oh, okay, I got one. Marlon Brand cereal. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Marlon Brand flakes? Yeah, there you go. I heard you were talking about me a little bit there, Kevin Spicer. How, you know, you got you to gotta do it as as, uh, as him going, oh, you know what? You know who's on your writing staff? Pizza the Hut. Mm. Pizza, Pizza Hut. Mr. Compaco. We can't afford Pizza the Hut. I mean, maybe I should be pitching it to David Figcher. Yeah, maybe. 
God. Maybe. Okay. All right. We got to move, move on. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap up with the um, pitches that were so popular last week, mainly by Ryan, who wants to be involved, um, though he's not going. Yeah, to I, I was li- I was listening to the show and I was like, can we do this pitches thing when I'm on? Because this was pretty fun. All right. So we'll start out with, uh, with Steve Yen one. He's uh, he's this time brought into uh, Disney and Kathleen Kennedy. She uh, had such a successful meeting with Miles last week that uh, Steve, right. you're up, oh. and she uh, she's interested in you taking on uh, let's say uh, Salacious Crumb. What do you got there? Okay, so I'm thinking in the vein of of Better Call Saul. You have Better Call Salacious. Crumb's being tracked down by the Rebel Alliance. He's on the run after shit goes down at Jabba's palace. He's living a double life on the run, Salacious Crumb, sitting at home. And and it's also a little bit of a prequel, so you get to see. How do you end up sitting next to uh, Jabba the Hutt eating fish all the time? And essentially, you know, question, is he a good guy or a bad guy after all? all? So this this is how he got to his side. This is both how he got there and then what happens after. It's total. It's so total soul. Okay, so you got you got flashbacks and flash forwards. You're, you're getting real vicious here. All right, all right. Well, then the show has to end with him ending up in the fried food stand at the beginning <laughs> of the Mandalorian. <laughs> Very nice. All right, all right. I can work with that. Ryan, oh boy, you're uh, you're brought in the apple. Oh, of course. Uh, they're looking to make a make a splash, and they uh, they've they've been acquiring a lot of very random properties. They uh, there's a lot of loopholes and contracts, and you know, Apple yeah. Apple Apple that terms of service. Believe it or not, when you sign it, gives you the rights to random films. It's very strange, but they weird. It, it's what it is. So they have acquired the the rights to uh, remake Eyes Wide Shut. So except <laughs> they they want to sequelize it. They want to sequelize it, eyes wide open, and uh, uh, it's still going to be Tom and the Cole. Right now, they're contractually obligated wow. somehow. Oh, they smoothed wow. over, over their differences. Oh no, this is like Fifty Shades of Grey. They hate each other, but they're they're forced oh, to work okay. together. Okay, okay, okay. And they need you to pitch the script. So, eyes wide open. Okay, well, she so she like goes to work for somewhere big, and they move they move to Los Angeles this time they leave they leave new york because that's where the first one's at correct because it was toxic and they needed to get a yeah, fresh it was start toxic. they're like yeah we gotta get out of here we gotta move and um is how how long they, after this is there a, is there a gap uh, or are we pretend you know, this is right up it's about it's about 10 years you know they fixed their stuff they've they've revet themselves you know they're yeah because because the end of the first one they leave to go back like, yeah go exactly the toy store and so they like, so because nothing turns you on more than fao schwartz yeah exactly <laughs> and so they go to Los Angeles and she gets this new job with this ad agency and she then realizes she herself, this agency is, is, is a little bit darker. And so you start realizing that it's all run. Uh, <laughs> this is terrible. Um, by uh, the, the Epstein and mm. uh, and that's it's like worse than what they were in New York. And so midway through the movie they move again and they move to los uh, they move to to australia which you know so then she doesn't have to move that far and she's then, attacked by baz lerman yeah exactly she's attacked by baz lerman uh and hugh jackman and the soundtrack is all done by keith urban her husband mm-hmm. and uh it's uh and you know what I'm, it's, I'm, it's 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 
I and also um, there's a running thing where the lyrics for Creed's "Arms Wide Open" is sprinkled throughout. Um, don't know why. It's just done, and it's uh, directed by J.J. Abrams because J.J. Abrams has always wanted to be Steven Spielberg, who's always wanted to be Stanley Kubrick. So there you go. One one note: we are going to buy the show. But one note, because we're changing the title, <laughs> so you may have to drop the eyes wide open thing, because we're just calling it Fidelio. Fidelio? Yeah. No, yeah. that's fine. Um, that's that's fine. No, we're going to still keep the song in there, and no one's going to understand what it means. So, mm. Yeah. It's Here's- sort of like that thing of you play a Beatles song backwards. Um, it's going to be like you play that song forwards, and you lose half your audience. So Stanley Stanley is dead is what it says when yeah, you play it backwards. Stanley is dead. Stanley is dead. <laughs> yeah, when you play Creed's arms wide open, it's backwards and Stanley Kubrick is dead. It's a new cut that we made him do. All right. Miles. Yeah. You've been brought into Pure Flix. Oh, oh God. Why do you always give Miles like the the, sh- <laughs> the hard ones? I'm sorry. I Miles. think this is gonna be great, actually. Okay. All right. So they're they're really, you know. Their religious propaganda is, you know, garbage. But they're hoping to make like the movies better while still pushing forth their evangelical beliefs. So they've, for some reason, come upon you, and uh, they're, be- they're really thrilled with the overnight success of Sugar and Spicy. Yeah, yeah. They they want they want to remake a lot of. So so here's their thing. They want to take movies that are too adult for the uh, you know snowflakes who can't deal with violence and nudity and, and sexuality and remake them as. Uh, as um, Christ-tastic adventures, you know, so same same idea, but we remove all of the problematic elements. So you're going to have to, you know, figure out the replacement plots. So they they want to run a couple of them by you. So, okay. um, for example, can you give us the the pure flicks version of Zach and Mary make a porno? Okay. Including title. Okay. So this is called Zach and Miri Make a Bible. And um, basically what it is is um, Zach and Miri are are two, you know, lovable is, goofs who... Can we can wait? It, quick, quick note, quick note. Can we make him Zachariah? Sure, but Zach for short. All right, fair enough. But, you know, we have to get our Bible stuff in. Go ahead. We're, yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're here so far. Keep going. Good, good. So, so they're both, uh, you know, they met, you know, in Sunday school and, you know, they've always been best friends and maybe they have a thing for each other, but we just don't know. And maybe we won't find out till the end. But uh, they, they realize that, you know, as much as they love, uh, you know, worshiping Jesus and all that, it's not really paying the bills. So it's like, well, how can we turn our love of Jesus into, uh, you know, a profitable venture? And so they decide, well, we're going to film ourselves reenacting the nativity scene. And they get a bunch of their friends uh, to help them film it. And along the way, they realize maybe what they love isn't each other. It's Jesus. Oh, I like it. Mm. I'm watching. Okay. I like it. You know, we need you for more. I think we're signing you to like an old fashioned studio slavery type deal where you're you're just going (laughs) to get paid money and be working all the time. Poor Miles. He's going to get hit a lot. It's my dream. Yeah. It's like you're like one of the characters in Mank. There's only be, idiots as your comp- as your competition. You go home, Come on you go home to your wife, Miles. You go home to your to your significant other, and you go. I got that slave contract from the studio that I've always <laughs> from Pure Flix or all yeah. people. <laughs> I've got the standard rich and famous contract from Pure Flix. Um, <laughs> they they want you to Pure Flix up hard candy. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So this is called Soft Vegetables. 
Um, <laughs> is it is it VeggieTales? <laughs> it's it's yes, a spin-off yes. of VeggieTales. <laughs> With Kevin Spicy. Um, <laughs> and uh, this is all about a um, a man who he used to be he used to be a pastor, right? He used to be really oh you know, my pushing, God. pushing out the word of the Lord, but he's kind of strayed from the path. You know, he's uh, you know, he's kind of started putting on weight. He's eating a lot of candy lately and he's just not really, you know, he's strayed from the path. But he meets this 14 year old girl who's just a zealot. She is so on board for the whole Christianity thing. And um, she realizes that he needs help. So she ties him up to a chair in his own house. And, uh, you know, over the course of one two hour session, basically gets him to uh, confirm that he does want uh, to be back with Jesus and to recognize all his sins. And at the end, uh, he goes on a diet and uh, she leaves uh, and puts up a little red hood and goes to find the next uh, person. Who's and instead of being uh, in the hot seat, he's in the slow cooker. There's why you get soft vegetables. There you go. Mm. Mm. All right. All right. I was this close to, I don't think it would fit with the Pure Flix model, but I was this close to saying instead of uh, hanging himself at the end, he crucifies himself. Yeah. It might be too dark. A little bit. I mean, I mean, we can, so, okay, let's go with that. We want you, we, we, we want you to, to get the kids and, you know, kids love the violence. So it has to be Catholic approved violence. So I guess. Here, here, oh boy. So here we go. I'm thinking more like the Crusades and like, you know, that kind of stuff. But how about this? I got it. Mm. You know, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Mike Pence, I've heard, I've heard. libtard hunter. <laughs> oh, God. God. Okay. okay, he's hunting. He's hunting down snowflakes in the dead of winter. Exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Let me think. But he he only does he only hunts down men because he yeah, can't, he can't hunt down women without his wife present. Well, wi- women are his weakness. So that's exactly, the, that's what like, libtards use against him. Yeah, like yeah, like the guy's wife walks in and goes, "Oh, I, I, I." I, I can't but mother and like he drops all of his weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mother, mother. <laughs> all right. All right. So here we go. Steve Martin is Mike Pence oh, uh, in, a, in a career <laughs> redefining role. Um, and uh, he's been he's been tasked on a mission from God and more importantly, a mission from Trump to hunt down all the <laughs> one in the same out there. One in the same. <laughs> one in the same. And damn. and personally, you know, you know, help them meet their maker and he's aided in this process by his loyal sidekick played by jeff goldblum reprising his role of the fly fantastic um we have two more two more one we want to really lean into your genre trapping so we'll get back to you guys but i'm just having fun with no i'm good i'm good um i'm gonna here i'll give you i'm gonna give you a hard one steve's like i don't want to i'm gonna give you a hard one martyrs Martyr. Jesus. <laughs> Literally, Jesus, martyrs. Um, okay. Uh, keep the title, but it's just a movie about it's Passion of the Christ again. It's just the exact same movie. <laughs> just, we have we have the right say it's, they, like shop. It's tell you what, it's shop Gus Van Sant Psycho of Passion of the Christ, but just call it Martyrs and All like right. and put it in French so it feels more like the original film. Yeah. And All they right. and they and they still get yeah, Mel Gibson to do it, and they yeah, sort yeah. of dupe them. They dupe them into it. He actually yeah, finances yeah. this movie for you. Yeah. Um, one more, Lars and a real girl. Oh my god. Okay. I, okay. I have one too. All right. Oh, we got dueling yeah, you pitches. Know, You're both in the room. Ryan, go ahead. You. Do, I want to hear yours. <laughs> well, see, you know, um, 
it's Lar- uh, it would be like Lars in the bathroom stall um, because mm-hmm. uh, as you remember, like many, many years ago, that Republican congressman or whatever that was very, it always seems like every year there's a Republican congressman. The, or a senator. It wasn't the Alaska yeah. senator who was like yeah. on the bathroom door. Yeah, he's he like, tip, to... is like tapping away. And so like the bathroom stall are musical numbers uh, to, to point and put. Uh, but like he's tapping away. And uh, yeah, he gets caught, and he has to do a redemption story, and a lot of his therapy to so then sort of turns into like a musical of boy erased and <laughs> and Lars and the Real Girl because at his therapy he's having to use dummies, right, mm. um, to sort of erase the gay, if it were, and mm. but he falls in love with the dummy. Because uh, he can't uh. break it. So as you see how it all ties back in together. And mm. uh it's not played by Ryan Gosling, it's actually played by Ted Cruz. And yeah, yeah, um right. because you just and um the dummy is actually played by Josh Holly. Um uh, <laughs> I was gonna say Rush Limbaugh. Um mm. but uh because I mean, you know, he's he's gonna be one he is a dummy and he'll be one very soon. Right. So um so yeah, that's my pitch. And so, yeah, something like that. Okay. Here, we're going to do a speed round now. Okay. Um, all three of you are involved, but uh, you've been you've been brought into a uh, weird situation. They heard about your involvement in PureFlix, but this is a company that makes pornography. So they want you to remake oh, okay. PureFlix films as porn. So let's, let's workshop some titles. All right. Who's Steve? our audience? <laughs> <laughs> who are we? I mean, horny Catholics. I mean, no, I mean in general. Who are we? Epstein, Spacey. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna award points. Whoever gets the best one in the oh. each round gets point. All right, so one point for Ryan. For... All right, <laughs> the, the, I'm so proud. The, I'm so the, proud. Whoever wins, we lose. Um, <laughs> the case for Christ. The case. The, the case, case for Christ. For Christ. I believe it's a film in which there is a trial to prove whether or not uh, Jesus lives oh, or something oh, like that. Jesus. Wait, I'll get, I'll, if you want me, I'll give you the help here. Here, in 1980, Lee Strobel, played by Mike Vogel, his award-winning investigative reporting earns him promotion to legal editor at the Tribune. Things at home aren't going nearly as well. His wife, Leslie, Erica Christensen, his newfound faith in Christ compels Lee to utilize his journalistic and legal training to try and disprove the claims of Christianity. Oh, Oh, I got it. I got it. The, the lace on Christ, and all he's right. like, where, and and this and this is all like lace uh, that Christ is wearing. It's all see through. Oh, Miles, I'm not yeah. touching that one. Is that is that the title you're put, you're going with? <laughs> the case for stopping this segment. How about that? <laughs> Keep going, we'll go. Joe. We've well, got going. God's Not Dead too. God's Not Dead: A Light in the Darkness, the third one. Wait, what's the third one called? God's not dead. A light in darkness. Oh, thank God they concluded the epic trilogy. We've got in the blink of an eye. I'm going to do this one. I have to blink. There's something <laughs> in my eye. Um, we've got faith of our fathers sitting on the face of your father. Mom's night out. I think we just call it mom. I think we just call mom. I think we call it mom's night out, and it works. Yeah, mom's night out, and just you know, mom's night in. Mom's uh, mom's night in, yeah, and it's like you know what? I got it. I got it. It's called Mom's Not Out, and it's about a woman who never comes out as lesbian because that's against God. It's all done on like uh, a a fake version of like Trump's version of the death. The little tiny one. 
Yeah, it's a little tiny desk for his little tiny hands. All right. In that case, we're going to wrap up this nonsense. <laughs> and we're going to wrap up with I want each of you to tell me what you think was in the letter that Trump left Joe Biden in the desk. So say when they can follow you and then tell me what's in the letter. Uh, Miles goes first. You can follow me on Twitter at Miles on Film. That's M Y L E S on Film. You can also follow me on Instagram at Marvelous Miles, although I never check it. Please check out my short film American Exorcist on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures. What was in the letter? You know I won. All right. Ryan? You can find me on Twitter at RyanMcQuaid77 there. It links back to all the different places I write for, including uh, this wonderful show, podcast, website, crazy thing that Joey keeps inviting me back to. Um, And what was in the letter? Um, I'm going to say it was uh, failed math equations, um, uh, a, a, a picture of like when they draw the hand. Um, for a turkey. And then, yeah, yeah. When they try to do a turkey with their hand and um, and he puts like his face on it because he's he wants and on it says at Thanksgiving time, think of partying. Mm, Get, right. it? Get it? Because he's yeah, because yeah. yeah. he yeah. turned himself into a turkey. So there you go. And then that's what Biden thought was very, <laughs> very nice. Genuine. Yeah. Steve? Yeah. yeah, it was in all different colors, too. Having Keith on earlier and going down what? the uh, the path we have, it reminds me of some of those Oscar years we looked over where you said, yeah, it's pretty top heavy. <laughs> <laughs> the awards stop radar it, podcast. Steve. Having a legitimate guest will not stop us from going off the rails. <laughs> We're off the deep end. Watches us diving. You know? <laughs> we'll never hit the fair ground. All right. So we're really into the shallow this is now. my time this yes. is my time hey everyone it's just steve here um you can find me at film snork on twitter and uh and other places oh and letterbox um oh yeah inside of that letter was a, a fax number with a note uh if you find my zoom charger <laughs> please contact me <laughs> it's the best mp3 <laughs> huge, huge MB3 player. Huge. Um, Everyone yeah. talks about what a great MB3 player. Then it, yeah, then it just went on yeah. and on, like two pages. <laughs> Everyone talks about how wonderful an MP3 player it is, but I know for a fact it's the best. Screw if Apple. It's right into my tiny hands. If it's right in there, it's perfect. I didn't. I had to. I actually bought it from Amazon, even though I don't like Jeff Bezos. Terrible, worst things in the world. Who needs all those updates and options? Yes. Who needs? Modern day technology. <laughs> All right. Very nice. All right. You follow me, Joey Magazine, yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Letterboxd, all that jazz. Um, and I believe that uh, in the letter, he put a whole bunch of scratch off tickets in there with a little note that said, uh, please don't indict me. P.S. If you win anything more than $100, we split it. <laughs> that's fair i thought you were gonna say he put in a bunch of the lottery tickets and then like he's like this is the only way you're getting stimulus for everybody is if you win the lotto trump doesn't give people money what are you talking about no uh, well like you know for, for the rest of it i don't know i know fair enough all right coming soon 
more of this nonsense, as well as, uh, believe it or not, Sundance coverage. For some reason, the Sundance Film Festival accredited us to uh, cover the festival. So uh, I've already begun viewing some films early. So uh, next week you'll get a more uh, thorough rundown of what's out because, you know, we record a week ahead of time. So for now, anticipate Sundance coverage, anticipate reviews of Judas and the Black Messiah, The Little Things, Cherry, um, more, and, more uh, from Kevin Spicy. Yeah, uh, presumably. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get the uh, FYC campaign out there, Miles. Yammies are right around cheers. the corner. Cheers. Golden Globe, Golden Globe nominations. It might make it under the radar. You know? mm. It's the, the uh, awards radar. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Mind yeah. blown. All right. In any event, <laughs> stay safe. Please keep listening, and uh, thank you for indulging our madness. Thank you. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye, guys.